Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 28, this is Jacob's Ladder. Angels have come to help us. I don't know if any of you have angel stories. I've got one in particular. I don't know if it was an angel. I like to think it was an angel. We're told that some people have entertained angels, what? Unaware. Abraham, for example. We know that the servant um, in 2 Kings had his eyes opened and he saw this huge army and chariots of fire and there are more for us than there are for them, 2 Kings 6, 15 through 17. And plus, with this incredible uh, dream that he had, which is really a vision or what we call a theophany, it's God appearing in the dream. Behold, the Lord, look at verse 13, stood above it. That is, God was above the ladder or the staircase. You know, Led Zeppelin, they sang about it, right? I'm not, I'm not going to try. <laughs> Man, I was thinking about it, but no, I'm not going there. Anyway. I have no idea what they were singing about. But the Bible says there is a stairway, a staircase, an escalator. Now, is it a literal ladder? No. But it is giving us a picture that there is a connection between heaven and earth. And above the ladder, above it all, is God. And God says to Jacob, and I think this is the first time Jacob has ever heard the voice of God. He's going to have about eight times that God appears to him. He said, I am the Lord, look at verse 13, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give it to you and to your descendants. Now, wouldn't you think, from what we know of this guy and what he's just done, that the first things that God would say to him would be something like this, Jacob, oh, Jacob, jeez. You know, pull up the ladder, never mind. <laughs> no, he didn't, no, no rebuke, no correction, no, how could you have done that to your poor brother? Nothing, just a blessing. Do you think that when Jacob went to bed that night, he had some regret? Do you think when he went to bed that night, he thought, you know what, I did, I did Esau wrong, man. Look, if he's human, he probably did. I mean, we spend a lot of our time, you know, oftentimes we spend our time in regret. And sometimes we have regrets over things we shouldn't regret. We can be our own worst critics. And I, I'm sure that had to be part of what was on Jacob's heart. Maybe Jacob was even saying, you know, my dad talks about God, grandpa talked about God. I don't know. Where is God? You think he went to bed that night thinking, is, Lord, are, are you here? Do you know what's going on in my life? And he probably felt like a scoundrel. And when you feel like a scoundrel, when you feel regret, when you feel bad about what you did to somebody, you don't feel like you deserve the Lord to appear to you. And if he does appear to you, you usually feel something like this. Okay, go ahead and club me. Go ahead and spank me. I deserve it. And this gives us a picture of how God sees us. God says to him, your descendants, 14, shall also be like the dust of the earth. You shall spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south, the promised land. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth, what? 
Be blessed here is a reiteration of the covenant promises of God, verse 15, and he says, behold, I am with you. This is not about a great Jacob. This is about a great God. And your story, brother or sister, tonight, please hear this, will not be told about a great Michael or a great fill-in-the-blank with your name. The story is going to be about a great God. I don't deserve the blessings that he gives me. He tells me I have every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus right now. Do I deserve that? No, but he loves me anyway. He says, I'm with you. And he said to the disciples, I'll be with you to the end of the age. In Hebrews, we have a promise that he will never leave us, nor will he ever forsake us. And he says, I'm gonna keep you, 15, wherever you go, and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I've done what I have promised you. I will not leave you until I make good on every single promise I have given you. A.W. Pink says, right down to where the fugitive lay, the ladder came. And right up to God himself, the ladder reached. You know, Jacob may have, that night he might have felt as far from God as one can ever feel. But we can't go on our feelings, you guys. Our feelings are often you know, leading the train, and our feelings are not always the best barometer of facts. Let the facts of the Bible, the promises of God lead the train. Let your feelings be the caboose, not in the front. This is a prayer from Isaiah 64.1, and it fits well. It says, oh, that you would come down and that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at thy presence. I wonder if Jacob was praying something like that. Lord, I, I pray that you would just show up. We need you in this situation. You know, Isaiah 64, 1 that I just quoted, may I suggest to you that it's probably the key to revival? We should be praying as Americans tonight, oh, that heaven would come down. Oh, that we would experience a revival in the church and a great awakening in America, amen? Because we are teetering, folks. We are teetering. And we need to make up our minds what we want to do. And the cool thing about Jacob is that Jacob's a conniver, man. He's he's not the best dude on the planet from what we might assess it, but yet God is mighty to save. And so under the title Revival and the Descent of God, Ray Ortland says that Isaiah 64.1 is as good a description of revivals we'll ever find. Revival is God coming down in a special way. God is able to come down and visit us in unusual power. The history of God's people illustrates how God can do this. And Jacob, verse 16, awoke from his sleep. And he said, surely the Lord is in this place. Look at verse 16. And I did not know it. Surely God is in this place. And I didn't know realize it. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever been in a situation in your life and you wondered, God, where are you? How could you ever work in this situation? And then God shows up and he, you see his fingerprints all over it and you're like, Lord, you were there the whole time. You ever do one of these? I'm so sorry for my lack of faith. When will I learn? And then you get in the next emergency and God shows up again and you do the same whine that you did before. God was there 
When Jacob awoke, he said, God's here. God was here, but I didn't know it. Have you guys seen that? Uh, it's, I think it's a Bible track that says, God is, and then it has N-O-W-H-E-R-E, -E, and you could read it, God is nowhere, or you could read it, God is now here. I guess it all depends on your eyes of faith. And Jacob says, God is here. You know, can God be out in the middle of a desert when you're traveling and you feel like you're junk and you're nothing? And God reiterates a promise to you when you may be filled with regret? Yes, God is everywhere. And he was afraid. Look at verse 17, and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This, he says, is the gate of heaven. God is here. And this place will be called Bethel, Hebrew lesson. Bait is the word for house. It's often in English B-E-T, bait, or B-E-T-H. And when you see Bethel, L-E-L -E is the name of God. So Bethel is house of God. When you hear Bethlehem, it's house. Lechem in Hebrew is bread, house of bread. And so that becomes, there's a Bethel church. There's Bethel music. That's the idea. And Jacob's saying, God was here. This is the gate. This, the, the, the door's here. Jesus in John 10, 9 says, I am the door. The NIV says, I'm the gate. If anyone enters through me, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. How awesome is this place. The beauty is that today, says R. Kent Hughes, the ascended son of man mediates the commerce between heaven and earth where there's one God and one what? Mediator between God and man, that is the man, Christ Jesus. Jesus is the one that mediates. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is what? The life. And no one's coming to the Father except through him. And Jacob's like, this is awesome. What were, where was the word awesome? When did that become big? Was that like the 70s or 80s? Awesome, man. Jacob started that. <laughs> so Jacob rose early in the morning. He took the stone, there's that pillow again, that he put under his head, and he set it up as a pillar, and he poured oil on its top. Now you might say, well, what's going on here? Well, Jacob wanted to mark the spot where God did this incredible thing. He didn't want to ever forget it. So he took the stone that had become a makeshift pillow and he put some oil on it. And oil speaks of what? Consecration, to be set apart unto God. Kings were anointed with oil. Um, priests were anointed with oil. It was the setting apart of something. And so he took the rock to mark the spot. And he said, man, I don't want to forget this. And when I'm traveling back through here, I want to remember that God appeared to me. And folks, you and I need to remember when God does something special in our lives. We need to mark the memory. We need to mark it as a, maybe a pivotal moment. Maybe for you, it was, a, it was a, a moment where you came to a realization that you needed Christ. Maybe it was a moment where you decided to get serious about God. Maybe it was God showing you his faithfulness in a prayer that you've been praying for a long time. And so he called the name of the place Bethel. That's house of God. Uh, however, previously, the name of the city had been Luz. Now, here's what's interesting. 
In Genesis 12, 8, just write this down for your notes. Genesis 12, 8, Abraham moved through this same area. He proceeded uh, to the mountain on the east of Bethel. He pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. Grandpa had an encounter with God in Genesis 12. God had, re, uh, God had uh, spoken to him the covenant that in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. And Abraham built an altar there. And do you know what some scholars say? They say that grandson probably got his pillow from Abraham's altar. That when Abraham encountered God in Genesis 12 and built the altar and called upon the name of the Lord, and, and there's all kinds of conjecture, and some say the Hebrew means that he was proclaiming the name of the Lord. Some scholars say it means both that he was calling on God's name but also proclaiming God's name. But what do you think Grandpa Abraham was doing at Bethel in Genesis 12? Well, God had said to Abraham, in you, how many of the families of the earth will be blessed? All of them. You're going to have these descendants as the stars of the sky, and Abraham's got no children. He's got a barren wife, and Abraham probably knelt before God after that encounter. He built an altar, and he said, oh, God, I pray for my son, and I pray for my future grandson. I pray you'll bless them. And do you know that it's quite possible that Jacob trekked through that same place, found that altar, and that altar became his pillow? Wow. You know, sometimes we're, we pray for things and we don't realize how serious God takes our prayers. We don't realize how many multiple layers God is working. Uh, I know just, you know, some of the details of the story of uh, John Corson's fellowship. What's the place in Oregon, Coach? Applegate Christian Fellowship. And uh, that place where that church ended up, the backstory was that there were women who had been praying over that location for I don't know how many years, but it was, I think it was well over a decade. And John Corson felt a call to go to this nowhere place in Oregon, Applegate, and found out that there was witchcraft being practiced in the area or some dark stuff going on. And some women got serious in the town and decided we're just gonna start praying that God will do something here. And God called John Corson to that place and that church became, I don't know, thousands and thousands of believers. God's done a mighty work there. And it was all on the basis of prayer and someone making a little altar and saying, oh God. I believe you can do something here. And it may not be through me. Maybe it's going to be through my grandson. Amazing. And so here's this incredible scene. Jacob uh, has this place called Bethel. And Jacob does something next. Verse 20, as we wind down, he made a vow. And he said, if, some scholars say you can say, since God will be with me and will keep me on this journey, and I think if is probably more accurate here, that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone, which I've set up as a pillar, will be God's house. And of all that thou dost give me, I will surely give what? I will give a tenth to thee. Now, there's a couple different ways that commentators take this. One is a positive, and, and they say, well, here's Jacob. He has this incredible dream, this incredible encounter with God, this altar situation and everything, and this is a way that he could respond to God's goodness. And he, so he said, Lord, if this is what you're going to do for me, if you're going to give me clothing and bless me and bring me back home and you're going to be my God, 
here's what I want to do. I want to give a tenth. A tenth of what? What did Jacob have? I don't know. Did he have anything with him? Was he thinking of the future? Was he making a commitment that, Lord, I'm going to give a portion of what I have, whatever that ends up being, because you've been so good to me? Look, this is not a message about tithing. There was no official tithe at this point. The law came in the book of Exodus. The tithe, technically, there were three tithes for Israel. We get calls on the Bible Answer Show all the time. It's tithing for today, right? Need a tithe? Well, for Israel, they gave three tithes. It equaled 23 and a third percent of your income. So if you want to go back to the law, and we would like it if you do, <laughs> frankly. <laughs> I'm just speaking from the heart right now. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. But if you want to go back to the law, one of the tithes was given once every three years. So it ended up to be 23 and a third percent of what you had. You don't want to go back to the tithe. Now, some of you may want to give 25%. And if you do, we want to talk to you after the service. But, but here's the thing. I think this was just, he heard some stories about about grandpa, and I think this is just a way to say, Lord, I, I just want to give. How many of you have come to that point where you just want to give because you know when you give to the kingdom of God, it's going to last? Moth and rust won't destroy. Thieves won't break in and steal. Everything that you have here eventually is going to rust and burn anyway. Even that motorcycle in your garage, I'm speaking personally now, that I protect that has the initials HD on threat of death if you go within 10 feet of it. One day it will rest. I, I'm, I've calmed down about the motorcycle. I'm just kidding. But other people say, no, Jacob's kind of doing a, this is not so noble. This is kind of like this. Everybody go back to it. Jacob made a vow. He said, if God will be with me and Keep, will uh, keep me on this journey that I take and he'll give me food and, 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 and garments. And, and if I return to my father's house in safety and he protects me, then, then you can, you can be my God. Uh, I just have a few things in a contract I'd like to clarify. This is the negative way to take it. You could be, you could be my God if... There's, there's some shoes uh, at this department store I've really been looking at. And we laugh at it, but you know, we do this all the time. You could be my God if you come through with a, uh, it's a short list. It's, it's a couple combined Christmas lists, actually, things that I didn't get from my family. And we start making these conditions on God. And then who becomes God in that equation? Does he only become your God when he's coming through for you? Then who's God? You know, we have these ministries, they go in the air and they say, if you pray according to this formula, then God must respond to you. Oh, yeah? I don't think so. God is God no matter if he, you make him your God or not. He doesn't move off the throne based upon personal decisions made on the planet. Amen? You can be my God, I, I think. I don't know. Should I give a tenth? Should I not? <laughs> Come on, folks. All right, everybody turn to John 1 and we're done. John 1. All right, so 2,000 years later, through the line of Jacob, 
There's some stirring going on because there's a, a guy that showed up and John the Baptist telling people that he's the Lamb of God. Be like, what? I think we found the Messiah. We found the Messiah. Yeah, I think we found him. So there's all kinds of talk going on. John 1.43. The next day, he purposed to go forth into Galilee. John 1.43, that's Jesus. He found Philip, and Jesus said to him, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. John 1.45. And Philip found Nathaniel. Nathaniel, I have a son named Nathan. His name means gift of God. And said to him, we have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, can any good thing come out of Corona? <laughs> I used to say that. Anyway, actually it says Nazareth for the record. And Philip said to him, come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and he said of him, behold, an Israelite in, indeed in whom there is, in whom is no what? Guile, and some people have said you could take this, an Israelite in whom there is no Jacob. I'll let you think about that one. And Nathanael said to him, how do you know me? And Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, notice this early pronouncement of who Jesus is. He said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you shall see greater things than these. Loose paraphrase. You ain't seen nothing yet, baby. And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you. Everybody look at your Bible, verse 51. You shall see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending and what? Descending on the Son of Man. Get this. 2,000 years later, Jesus mentions Jacob's ladder, and scholars believe that when Nathaniel's under the fig tree, maybe he's contemplating the story of Jacob. Maybe, some people think, maybe he's just read the scroll. He's read that passage in Genesis 28. We don't know for sure, but maybe he's thinking about the story. And Jesus references the ladder in Genesis 28, and he says, you're going to see angels ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Get this, Jesus is Jacob's ladder, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father through him. Jacob's ladder is fulfilled in Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is the stairway to heaven. And there's no other way, no other name under heaven given among men by which we what? Must be saved. He is the way. He is the ladder. He is the stairway. He is the highway to God. And God came down in the person of Jesus Christ, and his son was much, had a much better name than the angels. To which of the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you. And God the Father says to the angels of the son, let all the angels of God do what? Let them worship him. You see, in this Old Testament picture, it's fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. He is not only Jacob's ladder, he is Michael's ladder. He is God sending down the rescue ladder so I can be with God in heaven. And Jacob is part of the messianic line. And think about this. Esau wanted to kill Jacob. He had a grudge. He was breathing out the threat. And do you know that Esau's grudge was probably inspired by Satan? Because Satan knew if Esau killed Jacob, what would he kill? The lion to the Messiah. 
Do you know that much of world history right now, as you watch all this hatred toward that little country called Israel, do you know that probably most of it, if not all of it, is inspired by Satan? The story of Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Rome, Nazi Germany, you name it, the Ottoman Empire, you name it, their hatred toward Israel is, in, is satanically inspired. And Jacob, had Esau killed Jacob, the line of promise would have died, but that wasn't going to happen because Messiah was going to come because God is true to his promises. And Jacob's ladder, Michael's ladder, Pastor Chris's ladder, Sean's ladder, put your name there, is Jesus. And the way you get to God is through the Son. Heaven came down in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's how much God loves us. The question I always ask people is then, why did Jesus die for your sins? If there are many other ways, and even Jesus prayed himself, Lord, if there be any other way to be reconciled unto you, you know, bring it on. Let because, this cut pass from me, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the thing is that if Jesus did proclaim that he is the only way, folks, then that is what we preach. That is what we believe. If there was any other way, don't you think that other people would um, really follow towards these other ways? And my question to you out there, listening family, is why is Christianity the only thing really that is being attacked constantly? Uh, there are people who say, you, like Pastor Michael said, that you narrow-minded Christians, you bigoted Christians, and yet I don't see or hear anything against any other belief system. It's, so, it's often framed, Oscar, are you saying that unless I believe in Jesus, I'm going to end up under judgment or end up in hell? Mm -hmm. And I like to respond, it's not what I'm saying, it's what Jesus said. Yeah, you may hate the messenger, but you know what? The <laughs> message is still there. And on a positive note, God has made a way. So we could say, well, you know, oh, there's only one way and that makes me mad. But how about this positive spin? God has made a way. You know, you could sin against God and he could just judge you and you could stand before the court of heaven one day and he'll, he'll look at your sins and deal with you according to your sin. But God has made a way. Heaven came down in the person of Jesus Christ, Oscar. And I think that's something to celebrate. And instead of getting mad that there's only one way, let's celebrate that there is a way mm -hmm. to be reconciled to God through the blood of his son. That's how much he loves you. And let's not forget, because we often talk about this and we need to say it, that more people need to hear about the love of God. God so loved you that he sent his only son to come down and save us. What would you say, Oscar, to a person listening right now? We know there's a portion of our listening audience that are not Christians. They might be asking, you know what, I, I do believe in Jesus and I do want to trust him. How, how might they do that? If you believe in what he's done and who he is, then the one thing you need to do is just say, Jesus, I believe, I repent. That means turn around from all the things that you know that are contrary to uh, what God would have, everything that's written in the Bible. Turn around completely, do a 180 and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Just pray that and you know, find a Bible-believing church. Find a Christian that, that can pray with you. Um, you know, and just draw yourself closer to Him. That's the way to do it, folks, is come to Christ and then make sure you get plugged into a healthy, well-balanced church. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the Church tab. 
You can follow us on Instagram at Living Truth Corona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.